0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Impact Chronicles, where we talk to founders in Africa about the work that they're doing. Today, we chat to Simba Mubuma, co founder of Law Basket. Law Basket is an access to justice startup that is helping small businesses and startups in Africa to sustain and grow their businesses through various affordable products and services. So, can you please give us a bit about Simba? Tell us um, what's your background and why entrepreneurship?
1: Okay, great. So, yeah, my name is Simba I am how old am I? 28, I think. I started law, so I have practiced as a lawyer for, for some time until like 2017. Um, but at that time, I was sort of juggling law in startups and just trying to you know see how that goes. Uh, but I really became full time with uh, entrepreneurship, you can call it that, uh, in 2017. So I, uh, I was practicing law, doing mostly human rights and uh, constitutional law, representing Journalists and uh, human rights defenders, and it was fun. Uh, but I, I just kind of found out that well, there's more that I can do to actually help the ecosystem. So at that time, I was working with Lexway. So Lexway is a company that does uh, technology for law firms predominantly. So we, uh, the company still does that. So we work with law firms to provide uh, technology and billing, uh, case management, uh, data analytics, I know that. So we we worked with uh, some big law firms in Zim uh, and outside Zim as well. And um, yeah, I mean, it was really mostly B2B with with law firms. Uh, But in 2018, we uh, found something really interesting and really cool, and uh, it was a problem. And uh, the problem was that a lot of startups and a lot of small businesses in Zimbabwe and in Africa cannot afford a lawyer, right? I knew this, obviously, having practiced law because... Lawyers are really expensive. So right now, a lawyer, for you to get a lawyer, like a proper lawyer, is probably like $120 an hour, which is crazy uh, for many startups. So we thought ourselves, what can we do to ensure that startups can get uh, the legal help they, they need when they need it? And uh, that's how low basket became a thing. So that is really what we've been working on since 20, December 2018. Uh, really took off in 2019. And uh, 2020, of course, has been slow, but we're still just pushing and uh, hoping to really help a lot of startups across the continent.
0: Oh, wow. That's impressive. So let's talk about the continent. What is the legal practice landscape in Africa?
1: Yeah, so, you know, we, I always talk about this with, uh, with other lawyers and you know people in the space, uh, not just in Zim, but even across the continent. And people tell me that if a lawyer died in 1980 uh, and had a law firm, in Arare, for instance, were to somehow be resurrected and wake up and be taken back to their office, other than the fact that they're, not, they're no longer using typewriters, they're using a computer, essentially, in most cases, a de- desktop, not even a laptop. Nothing would have changed, right? So, for decades, uh, the landscape has not changed. Uh, the way people charge, for instance, uh, something called the billable hour to say, I'm going to charge you for doing your stuff or telling you that I've done your stuff for one hour. That has not changed. That is the common metric of charging for legal services. That has not changed for decades. Um, the second thing uh, is that uh, the way lawyers practice themselves. So they, I don't know if you can to a lawyer's office, but if you go, the one thing that would be confronted by is a whole lot of files that are everywhere. So it's still a very much paper-based system. And that also means that it is, something that requires personal engagement so in-person meetings uh, and all that uh, you know it's, it's really that's how it is and you know initially before i started traveling around the continent and talking to other people i thought this was a thing in zim but it's really a thing everywhere like even in advanced places or semi-advanced places like kenya uh, you know nigeria in, in some context even south africa so the landscape hasn't changed i think that's the key message to take away and um, lawyers are organized into law firms that are big and small, but then again, it, there's that centrality in terms of control. Their organizations, big organizations and small organizations, uh, so the, like the landscape really has one result. Mostly, for small businesses, they cannot afford and they do not understand the charging sort of metric, which is the billable hour. Even if they understand it, they cannot be. Uh, you know, get to a place where they can actually afford it. And uh, the way lawyers work, which is really in-person, a lot of files, a lot of, you know, uh, bureaucracy around the whole process, uh, courts are still very mysterious, is something that small businesses that are working, for instance, in places like tech or artificial intelligence or, you know, people that are doing things that are more fluid, they do not understand it and they do not relate. So that's really how the legal landscape looks like in Africa, right?
0: Wow, um, that must be hectic. So let's talk about the product and the services that you provide. What does Low Basket do exactly?
1: Yeah, so Low Basket, we essentially do three things. Uh, I think to make this more uh, contextual, I'll probably tell you what we used to do, which is, I guess, important. Because obviously, uh, when you start a business, uh, we we believe uh, within our company and it's something that we learned early on that... uh, a startup is is, is really just a, an organization that is trying to find a scalable and repeatable business model, right? So, when we started out, we were just essentially a marketplace where you and me can go online, uh, find a lawyer uh, who is willing to do our job for a specific amount, and that lawyer would do it if they agree to do so, right? So that was really just the model at the beginning. Uh, it was really just giving the consumers. The power to decide how much they pay for lawyers. So it's still there on the platform. You can go there. You can say, "I want um, someone to take care of my IP, and I've, I've invented something really cool." But well, I'm a startup. I'm a small business, so my budget is actually one thousand. And then if they lo- there's a lawyer that takes it up, then awesome. They do it for that price, and uh, they do it for that price not because they are undercutting the other lawyers, but they do it for that price because they are efficient enough to be able to do it in that amount of time. So that's really how we started, right? So like I said, that's still there. Uh, uh, platforms like TechZim and, and other places like Disrupt Africa have reported on that model that, that we, we started off with. Uh, but you know, throughout uh, our journey, we started seeing more opportunities and more, uh, more things that we can do to scale, but also to help more people across you know, the continent. So we did um, um, some a revamp, and now we do three things specifically. So the first thing that we do is that we offer something called Startup Law. So Startup Law is a subscription, is a, is a subscription service that allows startups to pay once-off fee and access uh, lawyers on the Law Basket platform. These lawyers are from twenty-five different countries. So how they will work is that uh, they work like in-house counsel, not really like a, pri- uh, a private lawyer, but in-house counsel in the sense that they are working with you as an organization and within your organization to achieve certain organizational goals. For instance, um, uh, a company that's just starting up wants to register staff, wants to do opinions on uh, on the regulatory landscape. Maybe they're working in something in renewable energy, they want to know what the environmental uh, side of things looks like. They uh, can get a lawyer, and that lawyer will be able to do that uh, for a fixed fee over a fixed period of time. So that lawyer is working for them, uh, essentially. Uh, They're not hiring them to do a specific task, but they're doing a series of tasks uh, as in-house counsel. So that's startup law. That's what we do. So we work with uh, various types of startups uh, in different spaces, Uh, interesting startups uh, that are really doing uh, things on the continent and that are really just starting out. Uh, We've seen that the trend is to mostly startups that are just coming up and that have potential to to grow, but want to take care of the legal side of things very early on, because that is something that matters to investors, for instance, like when the due diligence comes, people are gonna look and say, okay, do you have this? Do you have this? Do you have this? Maybe you don't even know what it is. So these startups are sort of looking at it. Um, We've also seen a trend of many startups from outside uh, the continent in the sense of startups that are working in the continent. So someone who's in the US, But that have started a company that wants to grow into Africa or someone in Europe that that wants to expand into Africa as well. But also very young uh, companies, we have people that are in high school, like that are are getting funding from nonprofits and all that to do stuff in education that we're working with uh, just to take care of the legal side. So that's startup law, that's the first thing. Uh, The second thing that we do is law clinics. So law clinics are simple, uh, we have a network of lawyers that are on the platform, uh, from different places. And those lawyers come together before the pandemic, we used to come together in person, uh, with startups at a hub or a co-working space. And they do, uh, office hours style, uh, consultations with startups for free. Right. So they, they help you essentially, uh, about a specific problem that you have. Maybe you have a contract with a supplier that you want to get reviewed. If you show up at a law clinic, uh, a, a lawyer from law basket will be able to help you with that. Uh, we have uh, transformed that into uh, online sort of law clinics because of what's happening. So we have a platform that allows uh, people to go on there uh, and uh, deal with a certain subject uh, from a lawyer uh, on the platform. Uh, and then uh, we also take their details and we assess their business and uh catch up with them uh, to provide them with practical steps on what's happening. So that's like sort of free. That's unlike startup law where you pay a certain subscription uh, for that. That's just really just free. And we do this in partnership with uh, hubs and co-working spaces and uh, incubators and accelerators across uh, the, the continent. We have done it here in Zim with uh, different um, organizations. Uh, lately, we are working with Stanbeck uh, Hub. we not for the pandemic, we have been doing sort of weekly law clinics uh, at their new incubation space, but uh, now they've had to go online. But the future is looking uh, different, obviously, but I think uh, there'll be a time when we can still do that uh, to give that in-person feel to law clinics. Um, So that's law clinics, Um, that's what we do. The third thing, I I guess, which is really just uh, what we we do to make money uh, is that we have partnered insurance companies in Zimbabwe, uh, for now, to integrate something called legal protection insurance for, with the products that they already have. So let me give you an example. Uh, you, uh, if you own a car, for instance, uh, you have to buy insurance uh, yeah. from an insurance company in Zimbabwe. So, what we have done is to say, okay, you are covered in that. If you get into an accident, maybe your car will be fixed or the other person's car will be fixed. But many times you see people getting into legal issues, right? So, someone can sue you separately of the insurance company and you have to go to court. You need to get a lawyer. They're still going to cost you $120 an hour. So, you can uh, run into someone uh, and then uh, the police call you, you're being charged with culpable homicide and whatever. And the police are uh, uh, don't care whether or not you have a lawyer. You need a lawyer, because if you don't, you probably want to extend the process. The process is very complicated. So we've gone to insurance companies and say, okay, your people are covered, but not to the fullest extent, in that if they need a lawyer, they cannot be able to afford one. So what we have done is that we integrate um, low baskets onto that. So for your premium, you probably pay 3% more uh, when you buy your third-party or uh, comprehensive cover, and then when you need a lawyer, when you get into an issue uh, related to your vehicle, uh, someone sues you, or maybe you actually want to sue someone who has bumped into you, or you want to, uh, you're to—you being taken by the police and whatever, you can simply go to the low basket platform, select a lawyer of your choice, and that lawyer will be able to help you with your case without you having to pay any additional legal cost. So it's a way of uh, leveraging on existing products to uh, put legal uh, cover onto that. Uh, another example would be someone who buys funeral insurance. So you go to the house, for instance, you buy your funeral insurance. That will assure you of a good funeral in that they'll give you a cascade and uh, they'll probably give you a bus. But what we have seen is that the most depressing day for any beneficiary or any kids is the day after when maybe other relatives come to take stuff or, you know, like, you know inheritance issues are really real in Zimbabwe. And we've seen that funeral insurance is something that a lot of people in Zimbabwe actually take. Uh, if they don't take it, someone's probably taking it on their behalf. So what we have done is to integrate legal to that. So upon sign-up, you actually get a will um, from a lawyer on the law basket platform. And uh, when you die and after you die, your beneficiaries can have access to a lawyer on law basket. And that lawyer will be able to help them uh, with the inheritance matters without them having to pay additional legal So that's what we're doing with insurance companies. It can get a little bit technical and a little bit complicated, but on the simplistic version, these stories of people are what really determines what's happening. So that's what we do, three things.
0: Wow, Um, that's really good. And I think I love that you spoke about how difficult it is for other people to the technical side of things. So how do you deal with that when it comes to client acquisition? You have multiple targets, the lawyers and ordinary people. So when it comes to articulating a value proposition and your messaging uh, to these different audiences, how do you deal with that?
1: Yeah. So to, to be honest, that's really something that we've been trying to master from, from the very beginning. So for lawyers, when we started out, we thought it was going to be difficult to get lawyers, but actually getting lawyers is not, is not difficult. And explaining the value proposition, to them, the lawyers that we have on the platform, I would say three quarters of them, we got them by simply putting a post onto LinkedIn and saying, this is what we're doing. Who's interested? Uh, within a space of three or four days, with close to 150 lawyers, obviously, we had to verify them and see how, what work they've done uh, and all that and see if they're actually lawyers in their jurisdictions. So explaining this value proposition to lawyers is not that difficult because lawyers are looking for work in most African jurisdictions. And this is not something that I mentioned earlier on when we talked about the legal landscape. You cannot actually market uh, as a lawyer. You cannot put up a billboard that says, I'm a lawyer, come to me. You cannot market. It's actually unethical for you to do that. So lawyers are finding themselves increasingly looking for ways to get their name out there without necessarily breaking the regulations against marketing. So lawyers are interested, right? So explaining that value proposition to lawyers is simply you have a place where you can uh, be seen by clients. Uh, You have a place where you can actually... uh, do work even remotely and it allows you to work with interesting organizations across the continent. Organizations that can become big companies, right? So that's it for, for, for lawyers. We, we have managed uh, to do so because we have lawyers in the organization that can communicate this value proposition and that can connect with, with other lawyers who are really a key part of the puzzle of Flow Basket. Then the, um, the startups, like, like I said, is, is really, reality uh, that uh, getting lawyers is expensive, right? There are many startups that have said, oh, I need to get a lawyer. Can you connect us with a lawyer uh, privately? When they, when they, they realize that the price of model is just beyond their reach. So that value proposition really speaks to what they can do uh, with private lawyers as opposed to what they can do with, uh, with low baskets. Um, with hubs, uh, the, the proposition, because uh, hubs cannot really connect with ordinary law firms unless it's a pro-bono sort of setting. But lawyers only to do pro-bono to a certain extent. They're not going to uh, spend their entire lives giving free legal services. Their business model is to charge for work. So hubs are looking for a way that is sustainable to actually get uh, lawyers mm-hmm. to speak to them, lawyers to speak to their members and to get their lawyer their members are really benefiting from the legal help they can get. So to hubs, that's pretty pretty clear. Insurance companies, to be honest with you, are looking for people that will pay more. They're looking for more clients, uh, but they're also looking to get more premiums from the uh, clients that they have without expending too much money uh, with marketing costs for new clients and and new business. So if you go to them and say, hey guys, you've got 100 clients, Uh, you're getting $100. What if that means you're getting a dollar from each client what if you can get two dollars from each client you're getting 200 dollars from the same number of clients without expending more money to get new clients because getting new clients is expensive so they look at it and they say okay our clients like this product. they like lawyers everyone wants to say uh, uh don't speak to me speak to my lawyer so they are interested in that but still the insurance company is getting more money out of it so at the end of the day what we are trying to do and what we have been Working on really, we are are not there yet, but I I hope we will be there soon. Is to build an ecosystem that allows all these relationships to flourish, and that allows everyone in the ecosystem to derive value from that whole process. We're not really a tech company; that tech is really what enables us to bring all these people together. If you go to our website, you'll be able to see all these things just there. uh, Tech enables us to do it. Uh, But the value proposition is really about people. It's about relationships. So if someone were to show up today and say, okay, I want to start my own low basket, they will probably take time to do it because it's built on relationships. And relationships exist because people have explained the value proposition to one another. They believe that they they will benefit from each other. So that's that's really how we explain uh, the value proposition.
0: Okay, um, so let's talk sustainability. How are you planning on retaining your customer base? Because let's say my services, you've offered your services and I've the lawyer I needed, I have them now, or maybe the case that I was dealing with is done. How do you retain those kind of customers?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, that's a really interesting question, and I, I, you know, in my in all the talks that I've had with people, it's something that has never been asked. And I, I think it's critical that it comes up. But just really right off, you know, the top of my head, what we have managed to do over the past, uh, I would say, uh, well, six or seven months, is to ensure that uh, we work with startups at different stages of um, of growth, right? So if you work with a startup under startup law, for instance, for the first six months, the stuff that you're doing is probably different, right? So you're probably dealing with with preliminary stuff and they're not really negotiating any deals with VCs or, you know, really not really processing any large grants from, you know, external organizations. So what I would say is that for us, that's why we do not do sort of mandate-based work uh, in the sense that, uh, you, the lawyer just does a job for you and understand and then that's it. We are getting these lawyers to actually work with these organizations at various stages of their growth. So they will always need a lawyer, to be honest, as, as they grow. Uh, and uh, like I said, even relatively large organizations find it difficult to have a proper legal budget. So we have measured our customer lifetime value for uh, for small businesses to be about five to six years. So we believe that if we start with you from the very beginning, you probably need low basket and low basket lawyers for about five to six years before you can afford to get as proper legal budgets to go to the big law firms and you know get your work done. So that's really how we're looking at it. We have got a customer lifetime value about five to six years for small business. And as we get new small businesses in, we believe that we can remain sustainable are based on that. With insurance companies, um, the key thing is to ensure that if you are paying for uh, for uh, a product, right? So if you're paying for air on legal protection insurance on your motor vehicle insurance, we want to ensure that when you need a lawyer, you get one. Because if you can get one, you do two things after that. You uh, continue paying in case it happens again, but also you tell your friends about it. So that gives us more people. So that's really how we're looking at it in terms of, you know, Continuing to to remain meaningful and continuing to give value to people.
0: Wow, that's really that's a really good strategy that you have going. So, um, your revenue model, how um, how are you sustaining your business?
1: Yeah, so like I said, when I said that we do three things, well, I'll I'll just call them four now because we do we still do the job stuff on the platform, so that's the most simple one. We get a commission for whatever the lawyer does on behalf of the client. If you just go to the platform's alleged lawyer and the lawyer does your case, we get a commission on that. It really varies with the type of work because there's some type of work where we really need to be involved uh, and and really need to do more. So it varies based on the type of work that's happening. That's the first thing. But that's the sort of minute type of thing. For us to be uh, big on that model, it takes incredible scale. And uh, Mm -hmm. obviously that'll take time. So that's not our biggest sort of uh, value proposition, uh, or that's not our biggest sort of money maker. On startup law, we um, we charge a fixed fee uh, pay, um, per time frame, and sort of like what I said, for a lawyer you be in our council within your organization. So obviously, we then do a, a, a revenue sharing sort of admin fee uh, in the back end with the lawyers when the money has been paid by the startup um that's what we do with startup law with insurance companies we are running with revenue splits so if we make three thousand uh from uh add-on legal insurance uh uh, under the add-on that we do in partnership with insurance companies uh we get a percentage of the revenue that comes from that so that's how we do it uh that's really the, the the Mostly, it's, uh, it's commission, revenue, uh, split and uh, admin fees for work done under startup law.
0: That's good. Um, so, at least one, we'd like to know at least one milestone that you're really proud of and one success story that you think stands out during your journey as law basket.
1: Yeah, so I think we can uh, divide that into two. One is really about the customers and the other one is really about the, uh, the, let me say, the things that we do as a brand, right? So in, in 2019, we were selected as one of the uh, only Zimbabwean companies to, to go into something called the Justice Innovation Challenge. Uh, if anyone wants to apply and anyone is listening right now, it's actually open. The call is open and uh, it's called Hill. So that's Hague Institute for Legal Innovation. It's an organization that is based in the Netherlands. So we managed to uh, be selected for that. Uh, other companies that have been selected in Zim in the past, I don't know if people know about road rules, but it's uh, yeah. an app that helps
0: people
1: yeah, so he he got into that, but we we managed to go to uh, the regional finals in South Africa. The only Zimbabwean company go, to go, it was really just a place where there were a lot of South African startups. Uh, we went there and we managed to win that competition. We went to the Netherlands and we we got you know funding from uh, the Hague Institute for Legal Innovation, uh, and it's really something that we're proud of because we believe that uh, our value proposition makes sense to different organizations, not only uh, those that are in the startup world, but also that those that are in the legal world. So it's something that we're proud of. Um, and uh, like I said, we continue to work with Hill, and uh, uh, they continue to fund us. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really uh, something that we, we hope w- will inspire the startups that are working in the justice space to, to, to do. And like I said, the call is open. So if anyone is interested, uh, feel free to reach out to me or, any other people on the law basket team to help you. We want to see more developing companies doing it on the big stage when it comes to justice innovation. Uh, what I want say about justice innovation is that it's not in the mainstream. People talk about FinTech, they talk about health tech, but yeah. legal tech is not a that people talk about, but it's a big industry because in 2019, legal tech was like number four uh, in terms of the industries that got more funding from VCs worldwide. Wow right legal tech is really on the rise because people understand that it is time to uh, change the law just as how fintech changed banking legal tech can change uh, the law and the law affects everyone so that's very key
0: that's very impressive um so yeah thank yeah. you so much for taking time out to do this and thank you so much everyone for joining us till next time bye